All right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Philippians. Now, the last time we were here, we were dealing with that first section in chapter two, where Paul was bringing out one of his. He's already been working on it. We saw that in chapter one when Paul used himself as an example, but not so much directly. But you can see the inference. But chapter two, he was working on that primary theme in the book of Philippians considering the needs of others greater than above or before yourselves, or even consider others to be greater than yourselves. But the bottom line Paul was simply saying was uh, put other people before yourself. So in this same sense, Paul was trying to say he was urging the Philippian community to be unified, one spirit, one mind, one heart, and to serve one another. But the only way that they could do this is that they needed a mind of humility. You cannot put the needs of others before yourself until you first humble yourself. Thus, Paul gave what we call that Carmen Christi, which is an ode or a song to Christ, speaking of Jesus, using Jesus as the ultimate example for the Christian faith, that one who had so many prerogatives that he could have held on to, but nevertheless, he gave them up. And, and we're not going to rehash all of that. But the sense is Jesus laid aside his divine prerogatives to be in the very image of God, exercising, maintaining, keeping all of that divineness, if you'll let me say it that way, that he once had in order to take the form of a lowly human being, a slave to serve his father for the benefit of sinful humanity. Thus, Paul was trying to say, and we talked about this at length in the last video. Paul was trying to say to the Philippians, look at Jesus and use Jesus as your ultimate example of humility in serving one another. So therefore, uh, he was saying that Jesus should be the ultimate example for all Christians to humble themselves and to consider the needs of other people even greater or even before their own needs. Jesus is our ultimate example of that. So then he talked about the exaltation that Jesus received because of his humility and that he wanted them to live righteous lives in a very perverse world. Okay. So now we're going to finish out chapter two and it should be relatively a short video as Paul talks about the minister of God. Now he's going to, he's going to talk about two things. That is the sending of Timothy. Paul desired to send Timothy to them and how they should receive Epaphroditus and who was their servant to Paul. But we'll talk about all of these things once we get into the text. But from this particular section, what we want to see is the minister of of God. And we'll talk about that. All right. But anyway, let's just go on. So we don't want to uh, prolong the video. Verse 19. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For 
they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. Okay. Now that was quite a bit of text that I read, but the overall gist of what Paul was saying was, and we want to recall this is Paul is in a Roman imprisonment. The first one. And, uh, what Paul wants to do is he wants to send Timothy since Paul himself is in prison. He wants to send Timothy so that Timothy can serve the Philippian congregation and find out how they are doing and bring back a report to Paul and inform Paul. Uh, well, this is how they're doing. And so Paul wants to hear of the well-being of the Philippians. And we remember that all of this particular section, and that is in chapter two, uh, 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 end of chapter one, <laughs> end of chapter one, uh, coming up to this section in chapter two, Paul was informing the Philippians of his well-being, how he was doing in his imprisonment, okay? With the mindset that he was believing that he would be free, but nevertheless, just in case Paul was not set free in a timely form or it didn't go the way Paul was thinking that it would go, he would send Timothy to serve the congregation and bring Paul back news of how that they were doing. And remember that we talked about earlier at the beginning of the video, how this section talks about ministers. And this is what I want to concentrate on in both of these sections, but in this section right here, the minister, how a minister should be. And so as we look at what Paul is saying about Timothy, he gives us an idea of the heart of the minister of God. What should, or let me simply say it this way, what should a preacher be like? What should a pastor be like? And so notice he talks about that kindred spirit that Timothy had, that is, Timothy had a spirit like Paul and that spirit was a true and genuine spirit to serve them. And again, this takes us all the way back unto that mindset, to that theme of Paul, the primary theme in this letter, putting the interest of others before your own interest, serving others, doing what is best for others. So this is that genuine spirit that Timothy had. That was the same spirit that the apostle Paul had himself. Timothy was concerned about the well-being of the Philippian church, even greater than his own well-being. And this concern of Timothy was a genuine concern. And notice how Paul contrasts verse number 21. He contrasts the interest or the spirit of Timothy over against those preachers that he talked about chapter one, that he talked about, uh, in chapter one, that is remember in chapter one, he says, they kind of like two, uh, categories of preachers. 
you know, I'm in jail and I'm in jail for the preaching of the gospel and my being imprisoned has emboldened certain people to preach the gospel. He said, but there's a, that is a good thing and a bad thing. Some preach the gospel because they want to further the gospel and they want to come alongside with me in the preaching of the gospel. They want to join with me in these efforts. He said, but then there is another group who don't preach the gospel from a pure heart. They preach the gospel because of their own self-interest. They have other things in mind and they want to, in some way or another, cause harm to me in my imprisonment. So this is that group, that bad group that Paul is talking about, the one who preached the gospel from their own self-interest. And in verse number 21, this is whom uh, Paul is referring to when he says, for they all seek after their own interest. And Timothy is not like them. And again, you feel the import of Paul's theme here. Do things, seek the interest of others. Seek the well-being of others even above your own interest. So what is one of the characteristics of a minister? He seeks the interest of others above his own. He is not guided by self-seeking desires. He is not guided. And what's really in the back of my mind, and this is the bottom line, he's not, guide, he's not guided by money. He doesn't try to get your money. He's not guided by pride and seeking the praises of other people. He serves in the gospel for their benefit and everything that he does to them. He says to them, he preaches and teaches to them is for their benefit. And this is what Paul is trying to say about Timothy. And then he continues on to say, and they themselves are familiar, the Philippians, are familiar with Timothy. You know his proven worth. And you can see this being intimated even at the very beginning of the letter when Paul writes, he says, Paul and Timothy, slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he includes Timothy in the salutation of his letter and also reminds them that they are familiar with Timothy and his conduct amongst them. But anyway, then it talks about this, how that Timothy served alongside with Paul in the gospel. Now here's another thing. Here's another attribute like a child serving with the father. And what can we see here? We can see Paul being here, the father and Timothy being the child. Now, Timothy is clearly a grown man, but notice the mindset and the heart of Timothy. Again, humility. Remember, even earlier, the previous video, the previous section, what did Paul say to the Philippians? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What? A mindset of serving with, a, uh, with an humble spirit. Humility of service, that example of Jesus Christ. And notice what he says about Timothy. Timothy also shows forth this same example of humility, like a child serving with his father. So 
with, with Timothy, we see humility. And if I had to say something in the gospel, what should a minister be? So, so notice what he says again. This is the second point. First, let me remind you of the first point. First point concerning what is a true and genuine minister? What should a minister? What should we be like? Number one, we should always put the interest of others before ourselves, having a pure heart, doing what is good and right for the people of God. And then having a mindset, having a heart of humility. And sometimes that's the problem. We often worry about who's going to come into the limelight. Who's going to be at the microphone and who's going to be lauded? Lauded means to praise. Who's going to be praised by the people? Who's going to get the greater attention and all of this? Who's going to come to the front? But this was not what Timothy did. Timothy was humble like a what son serving his father. It's sometimes good to just fall back into the shadows. It's not important as who is going to rise up to the forefront. The whole idea of rising always speaks to what pride leaven. And I'm not going to get in all of that, but these are the spiritual concepts that even the Lord Jesus warned about. Now, even though Jesus would talk about the false teaching, but leaven in general speaks of the rising up and God hates the rising up. God hates the pride, but nevertheless, another fundamental characteristic of the genuine minister of God, what we always need to be from the heart, not from trying to put on the show and make people think this about you, but be this from your heart. And that is humility. But nevertheless, now let's get back to the text. So Paul was saying what? That he was going to send Timothy. And I'm now here. Verse 23. As right, he's going to send Timothy as soon as possible, as soon as he would see how things would go with him. That is, so apparently Paul was expecting some kind of verdict, a word from some governing official about his imprisonment. So it seems that Paul was believing, as we talked about this earlier, Paul was believing that he would be set free. But notice what he says in verse number 24. And I trust in the Lord that I myself will be coming to you shortly. So we see Paul in this section was intending on sending Timothy to the congregation per adventure. He himself would not be released soon enough from his imprisonment so that Paul would find out how the Philippians are doing. And in, in doing so, that is Paul sending to Timothy. Paul gave us certain insights of characteristics that should be of a true minister of the gospel. He, he is concerned about the needs of the congregation. He puts those before his own needs and such a minister has a heart of humility, true humility in service. But nevertheless, Paul was looking forward that he himself would be released at some time or another. And he himself, if possible, he would accompany Timothy and see about the Philippians with his own eyes. OK, so now let's get to the final section in chapter two. And we are also going to talk about another uh, um, issue concerning the minister of God. All right, let's continue. 
25. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier who is also your messenger and minister to my need because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick for indeed he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him and not only on him on only on him, but also on me so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Okay. Now let's talk about this final thing. So now he talks about Epaphroditus. So Epaphroditus. Okay. As we find out here, the one of the sense, the reasons why Paul wrote, we talked about this in, in the introduction to this epistle, but one of the reasons why Paul wrote the epistle to the Philippians was to say thank you for their generous gift that they had sent to Paul, some type of monetary offering to aid Paul in his preaching of the gospel, just to help him out, okay, as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And this gift was brought by Epaphroditus, this man that we're talking about here. But Epaphroditus was not only sent to bear the gift, but he was also sent by the Philippian church to serve Paul. So now this was not an involuntary, but of course, Epaphroditus volunteered for the service. And so the church sent him along with the gift to serve Paul. So whatever Paul needs, Epaphroditus, you serve him. Okay, so that's the idea. So now what's going on here, Paul is now sending Epaphroditus back and Epaphroditus returns back with this letter. That is the letter to the Philippians. This very letter Epaphroditus has in his hands. And this is the situation that Paul is talking about here. So notice as, a, as Paul begins to talk about Epaphroditus, notice the adjectives that he uses to describe Epaphroditus. He calls him my brother. He calls him my fellow worker and he calls him fellow soldier. So notice all of these positive things that he calls Epaphroditus, his brother. He says he is a worker in the gospel with me. He is don't get him confused because you now see him. I'm going to talk about that. He is a soldier. He is a soldier. He is no wimp. So the first thing that you want to understand is, well, why is Paul using these particular adjectives to describe Epaphroditus? Because you can understand it. Remember the, the Philippian church sent Epaphroditus to serve, to minister, to Paul while Paul was in prison or whatever capacity that Paul needed. Now, all of a sudden here, Epaphroditus 
It's bad. So the, you can imagine, let me say it this way. So the, uh, the, the Philippian church, look at Epaphroditus coming back. It's like, well, well, what are you doing here? We sent you to minister to Paul. What you doing here? And they might have some kind of a hard feeling or a raw feeling about seeing him again. So Paul is acting uh, presumptuously here in the sense that Paul is trying to deal with, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, when you see Epaphroditus, don't get the wrong idea when you see him. Don't think the wrong thing about him when you see him. Indeed, he is my brother, a fellow worker, and indeed he is a soldier in the gospel. But the reason why I'm sending him back to you, what is that he got sick and he was so sick, he almost died and he was in his service to me, in his service to Jesus Christ in the gospel. But nevertheless, he was still working even to the point of death. And see, so that's the idea. And so I didn't, I thank God that he didn't die. And I know you heard about him getting really sick to the point of death. And when he got sick uh, uh, at the point of death, of course, he also got homesick. You know, when people get really down, they start thinking about home. He got really homesick. So I thought it good. I thought that it was good for me to just send him back home to you. And so number one, you will see that he is okay. He'll feel better and that things would be better. So I'm just sending him back home because I think that it's a good thing, but don't get the wrong idea when you see him. So that's the reason why Paul was addressing him as my uh, fellow worker, my brother and a fellow soldier in the gospel so that they wouldn't get the wrong idea. And then as Paul was talking about this issue about him becoming, that is Epaphroditus, getting really sick. Notice what Paul said that even though he was almost sick to the point of death, God delivered him from this sickness. Paul said it this way. God had mercy on Epaphroditus, but not only on Epaphroditus, but also on me that I, Paul, would not have sorrow on top of sorrow. In other words, Paul was already suffering. He's in prison and things, you know, things aren't well. You can imagine if you're in prison, you're not feeling so great, right? But then all of a sudden, here comes Epaphroditus sent to serve you in the gospel and he falls sick even to the point of death. And it's like, oh my God, please not this too. That's the idea. Please not this too, Lord, please. So Paul is saying God had mercy, not only on Epaphroditus, but Paul too. Now, the reason why I emphasize this point in I, right now, to be honest with you, I emphasize this as a father. I emphasize this as a father. You know, I have children and all of my children are not saved. Matter of fact, most of them are not. Just one, I believe, is. And, um, you know, stuff happens. You know, this is, a, this is the real world. And you hear about people dying and getting sick. And all the time, and I always think about, and I even tell my church family this, 
Why not you? You know, when you hear about this person dying, this young person dying, why that why that couldn't have been your child? And I always like to think of it. But God has mercy. And I think of it from the perspective of a father. God has mercy on me. You know, he protects my children. They, they rip and run up and down the road in these cars and going places just like everybody else doing things just like everybody else. But nevertheless, God spares my heart from sorrow. So God has mercy on me when he protects my children and those whom I love is the evidence of God having mercy on me. So we do thank God. I don't want to put any more time on that, but I want to kind of bring this into a sense of realization for, for you and me, how God has mercy on us when he is good to other people. And we can experience this, namely when our children, our husband and wife and brothers and sisters and all this. And so we want to always be grateful and thankful to God for his having mercy on us, not only for what God does in our own lives and, and for our own health and strength, but for what God does for even for the people that we love and even for people who are not even saved. But anyway, let's go back to the text. So the whole point Paul is trying to make is Epaphroditus, he did the job that you guys sent for him to do, but he got really sick. And so I thought it was a good thing for me to send him back with this letter to you to, uh, to receive him and to know that he did good service and you be grateful. But let me get it on. So what? Verse number 28. That's the point that I'm literally making right now. So I'm sending him back. When you see him again, you may be rejoiced. You may rejoice and I might be less concerned. So Paul is not going to be concerned uh, no longer about Epaphroditus's well-being. He's back at home now and he wants the Philippians to be glad to see him because he did good service, even to the point of death. So what does Paul say? Verse number 29. Now here's when we get to the second point that Paul speaks of concerning the minister of God. Notice concerning the minister, what receive him then in the Lord with joy and hold men like him in high regard. Why concerning Epaphroditus? Because he came close to death for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Now, this is very powerful, so let me break it down. So what is he saying about Epaphroditus? The minister of God. So this is from the perspective of those who benefit from the service of the preacher, from the service of the pastor, from the service of whomever is preaching and teaching to you the word of God, like we say, like we say, what doing the service of Jesus, considering what is best for you doing it from a pure heart. What is the responsibility, the responsibility? What is the position of those who are benefiting from the pastor, benefiting from the teacher, the preacher, you consider them, you hold them 
in high regard. There is a responsibility and a duty in regards to respect that you should have for the minister of God who is serving you in the capacity of Christ. Let me say it that way. Let me say it that way on the behalf of Jesus Christ. So what you hold, Paul speaks to the Philippians. Now you hold Epaphroditus in high regard for his service to me in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he regarded his service in Christ Jesus to me, even to the point of death. Again, you see that what implication of considering the needs of others greater than your own need. What is the point here? Epaphroditus close to death, but guess what he's doing? He's still doing his job, the job you sent him to do. And you sent him to minister to me in Christ Jesus. And he was doing that even up to the very point of death. So indeed he regarded you. He regarded the service to Christ. He even regarded serving me greater than his own physical well-being. So such men like that respect them and give them all the respect in the world. But then he makes that final statement. He did all of this, the risking of his life to do what was deficient in your service to me. Notice the terminology deficient in your service to me. Now, let me pause here. And I do not as a minister of the gospel, I don't say this, uh, 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 uh to be self-serving in any way, but this is the truth of the gospel. Oftentimes we consider the preaching of the gospel to be a one way street. That is, is for the most part, it's the obligation of the preacher to Jesus to preach the gospel to the people. And, and, and that's it. The, now the obligation of the people is simply to respond and to obey the gospel. That is kind of live right as far as the message to believe the gospel. But the point is as far as the relationship factor, it is for the preacher to simply preach the gospel to the people. And it's oftentimes considered to be that way. But that's not the truth of the gospel. Notice what Paul says, or the full truth. Let me say it that way. Pa Paul says that Epaphroditus came close to death, serving Paul on behalf of Christ. Notice for what was deficient, lacking in their service to Paul, their service to Paul. So what is the scripture saying? It's a reciprocal relationship. He who preaches the gospel to you, you are indebted in some spiritual service or even Paul would even say a carnal service, a material service to the one that preaches the gospel. Paul said it this way. If we have sold unto you spiritual things, isn't it an amazement? Is it some great thing that we should reap your carnal things? So what is Paul saying here? 
It is a reciprocal relationship. And oftentimes we see it as when people preach the gospel to us or teach the gospel to us, we see it as their duty to Christ to us. And we don't oftentimes think that as we have received this spiritual benefit from them, we are now indebted to the one that has blessed us with this. So Paul is saying what you have a duty to me, you Philippians, you Philippians have a service that you owe me and what Epaphroditus served me in the capacity in that which you were deficient. He made it up. He paid what was owed by you to me. You owed me service. Epaphroditus paid the bill. But the point that I was bringing to you was the, the reciprocal nature of it. That number one, the obligation of the minister to preach the gospel. Number two, the obligation of those who have received that gospel through the preaching and teaching of the ministry, there is an indebtedness to the one who preached it to you. Okay. So we're closing this section. It ended up going longer than I had anticipated, but I enjoyed it. We see certain things in talking about the minister of the gospel, the minister of the gospel. What in his talking, Paul talking about Timothy, that he was going to send to the Philippians. We saw characteristics that should be present in the preacher, the pastor, the teacher. What? That like the whole concept theme of chapter two, he should genuinely be concerned about the needs of the people that he is serving. From a pure heart, he should put the needs of those people ahead of his own needs. He should and remember the whole theme of chapter two that put the needs of others before yourselves. Consider others greater than yourself. And this is one of the first characteristics that we saw in Timothy, Paul sending Timothy. And then the second Epaphroditus, we also saw those continuing uh, aspects of the characteristics of the preacher because what? Epaphroditus in serving uh, on behalf of the Philippians, serving on behalf of the Philippians, he almost died in his service to Paul. So, even, so what? He himself put the needs of others ahead of himself. But also to that reciprocal nature of the relationship. That is what? When a preacher, a teacher of the gospel, a pastor, you need to hold them in high regards. When they serve you, when they teach you, you hold them. And remember, there is an obligation and a duty that you owe them in their service to Christ on your behalf or even for your benefit. So we saw a couple of things what the minister should be like and how the people who receive the teachings and the preachings of that minister, how they should view him and how they should treat him in a reciprocal relationship. All right. Thanks guys for joining me with this video. 
And if this video, if you feel it has been a blessing for you, then support this ministry. There is always a link in the description that you can use to support this ministry. And YouTube always has this thanks button or whatever, because we want to continue to bring you these lessons. And those of you who have support the ministry, thank you for all that you have done. And even let me give a shout out to the members of my own church who support this particular ministry. All right. But anyway, God bless you guys. Thanks for joining me and we'll see you next time.